I remember when I was growing up, if we had nothing else to do, we would go down to the mall and hang out. There were different types of stores where you could window shop, different types of random activities that you could do, like indoor rock climbing, and a plethora of food options that would satisfy anyone's cravings. Malls used to be so ingrained in the DNA of suburbanites that it would have been hard to imagine a world where malls would be irrelevant. Around the time when I was 16, things shifted. Amazon really took off, and buying things online really took off. Every company created an online store, and with it, the predictions of the death of the mall started to rise. Here we are 15 years later, and malls are still around. People still go there to pass time, and more importantly, people still shop there. In today's episode, we'll dive into what the malls used to be, what they're like now, and how stores like Foot Locker saved them. I'm David Dooley, and this is Business Adventures, a show that analyzes businesses, business models, and products to learn about what they did right or wrong. Before we talk about malls today, let's first look at how they came to be. Historically, malls have pretty much existed as long as humans have traded goods. The concept of exchanging goods have existed since the creation of mankind. At its core, a mall is a marketplace where consumers and customers exchange their money for goods and services. Even though malls conceptually have existed since forever, it wasn't until the baby boom after World War II that they really took off in America. The modern shopping mall as we think of it today really took off in the post-World War II era, coinciding with the suburbanization of America. As cities expanded, developers sought to create convenient shopping destinations for the growing suburban population. As suburbs expanded, many suburbanites turned to malls to hang out or spend their hard-earned money. The first mall, or at least what we acknowledge as the first mall, was opened in 1956 in Minnesota. It was originally constructed as a community gathering space with a retail environment. This concept proved to be a huge success and led to a mall construction boom in the 60s and 70s. This boom led to the creation of the malls we see today. These malls often featured anchor stores like Macy's or Sears at either end with small retail shops in between. Eventually, they incorporated food courts, attractions, and entertainment options like movie theaters. The thing that made malls so attractive is that they became cultural hubs. You could go get a bite to eat, watch a movie, and be impulsed to buy something that you don't need all in one afternoon. Not only could you do all of that, but there was also a high likelihood of you running into a friend or someone you knew because they were probably doing the same thing. In the 80s and 90s, there was pretty much no better thing to do on a Saturday. An economic boom in the 80s led by higher wages, tax cuts, and more jobs fueled the rise of mall rats. Since starting in the 50s, the number of malls in America peaked at over 1,500 locations. They crossed $100 billion in retail sales in 1975, and by the mid-80s, malls accounted for 25% of retail sales. The increased discretionary income coupled with prime retail stores and parking lots for all of the new suburban drivers, malls became a destination for almost 80% of Americans. Since malls rose to prominence due to being physically located to more spenders, the shifting tides of consumer behavior posed the ultimate threat to malls. Simply put, since people did most of their spending online, there wasn't a big need for big clumsy malls to shop at. At their peak, the average American visited malls about once a week or about 52 times a year. Now the average American only visits a mall about 10 times a year. The rise of e-commerce in the 2010s really led to the downfall of malls. 
Since 2010, mall sales in the U.S. have decreased 50%, but e-commerce sales have grown about 500% over the same period. As of today, mall sales sit around $50 billion annually, while the total e-commerce in the U.S. has hit about $260 billion in sales. This shouldn't be a surprise. Pretty much everyone has an Amazon Prime account, almost 50% of Americans have bought something while on social media, and traditional business models like the mattress and eyeglasses business have been upended because of companies like Casper and Warby Parker. Because of the rise of e-commerce and the slowdown of malls, why haven't malls just shut down? If you can buy anything you want online and have it shipped wherever you are, why ever step foot in a retail store? Before we jump into why malls are still around, let's look at why people buy online. People buy things online for a number of reasons. It could be due to convenience, price, selection, or a number of other reasons. Online retailers can list every possible variant of a product online, whereas a physical retailer is limited to what they can hold. It can also be convenient to buy things online because you don't have to get up and go to the store. I think these are great reasons to believe why malls have declined and online sales have boomed, but I think one additional factor that plays into a purchase is how you were sold. I believe online stores have gotten and better at selling than physical stores. One example of a clearly different selling technique is storytelling. Online stores have mastered the About Us section. When people have a million options to choose from, the About Us or storytelling that a store uses helps them separate themselves from the pack. Online stores use influencers to introduce you to their products. They create educational content like blog posts and YouTube videos and personal stories and testimonials to help build narratives around their products. All of these avenues are used to tell stories coupled with the convenience of an add to cart button give online stores the advantage of getting you to buy something as soon as you finish learning about their story. Since malls don't tell stories and they're not as convenient as buying something at home in your PJs, then why do they exist? One reason that malls are still around is because stores learn how to tell better stories. Let's look at Foot Locker as an example, because when you think about what stores are in the mall, you think about the food court, you think about a store like Macy's, and you think about shoe stores. Shoe stores always seem to be a mall staple, and I think they hold a lot of evidence as to why malls are still around. Looking back at Foot Locker in 2010, they had a few store divisions like Foot Locker, Champs, Lady Foot Locker, and Kids Foot Locker, and their large online business back then was eSpay, which I remember growing up was a catalog that they sent in the mail. Their stock was in the toilet, and they had issues with their largest vendor, Nike. Layer in the decrease in mall foot traffic, and you have a perfect storm for Foot Locker to have gone out of business. One of the first things Foot Locker did was redefine their business model and practices. One thing that might be surprising is that Foot Locker had many of their stores in the same mall, meaning you could have a Foot Locker Champs and other Foot Locker stores all in the same mall. The new CEO at the time, Ken Hicks, shifted the competition from internal company rivals to external shoe retailers like Dick's. Instead of the internal Foot Locker stores comparing themselves to each other, they now had a new benchmark to compare themselves to. This change led to a clear differentiation between the different stores. Before this happened, you would go into a Foot Locker, walk out and go into a champs just to find that they had the same exact stuff that Foot Locker had. Why would you go to the mall if four of the 20 stores sold the exact same thing? Redefining the sneaker stores based on category was the first step Foot Locker took to tell better stories. Foot Locker suddenly stood out because they were the stores for sneakerheads. Champs stood out because they were the stores for athletes. And Foot Action was the lifestyle store where you could get the most fashionable shoes. I can remember the change growing up because I would previously buy my basketball 
basketball shoes from Foot Locker or Champs, depending on which store had more options. But I noticed a change because Champs suddenly had more options for basketball shoes, at least until House of Hoops came in for Foot Locker. See, this new way to tell a story in the shoe store created an experience for customers to visit. Malls traditionally had big retail stores as the anchor. You used to go to the mall to go to Macy's, Sears, JCPenney, or a store like that. With so many of the stores closing down, Foot Locker and stores like it were able to create enough of an experience and add enough value to customers to become new anchors. Just think about the closest mall to you. I bet the only thing you know for certain is that they still have a shoe store and that it's probably a Foot Locker brand. Foot Locker used the same principles that online stores use to tell a story to get customers into the door. They are one of the companies that lay down the blueprint for brick and mortar stores to stay relevant. They will use educational blog posts or influencers to direct traffic into the store by telling them when the new shoes were dropping. They changed their store layout to highlight shoes and tell the stories next to them. And they leveraged their relationships with their vendors, in this case Nike, to ensure that they had a hot selling product on hand. For better or worse, Foot Locker is one of the few reasons to go into the mall these days. This blueprint has been pretty much used to prop up the physical retail industry. Companies that have failed to adapt to this business model have either failed or are on the brink of bankruptcy. Malls are slowly creeping back up to become a lazy pastime. Teens are returning to malls on Saturday afternoons, and stores are slowly implementing the blueprint that Foot Locker and many others have laid out. I'm not saying Foot Locker is the only reason malls exist, but think about it. When was the last time you went to the mall to get something other than shoes? That's it for me today. I'm your host, David Dooley, and this was Business Adventures. Thank you all for listening.